I feel like we've got like a chromosome transplant. Like people talk about DNA, what you were drinking last night and this morning, that's what it is. It's, it's, they were giving you keys for culture. You're going to do it your way, but they were giving you keys. So what I want to do is I want to get them back up here on your chairs. Come on. Get back up here on your, yeah, amen. So, uh, of course, you know, as I said when I introduced them last night, these people are models. And I've been privileged to be, uh, you know, in their home many times. And all these places he talked about, I've been there, we've been there together. Yeah. It's been great over many years. And uh, so I can tell you, you know, what they're talking about. If anything was downplayed, to be honest, Rick is almost always understated. <laughs> and uh, if anything was downplayed, to be honest, if it was me, I'd brag it up and embellish it personally. But they, you know, just, but anyway, but anyway. I want to give you, so I'm going to, we're going to ask, you're going to ask a question. Here's, here's how you ask a question. You don't give a backstory and you don't make a statement. You ask a question. Okay. It's a lesson in leadership. All right. So just lay the preacher down, put on the disciple hat and ask a question. No backstory. No, I want to ask this. No, just ask the question. What did you mean by this? Or what would you do about that? How did you make that decision? Like, and, and we're, we can go from soup to nuts here because they've covered the kingdom. I mean, they've, they've whacked this thing, okay? So we're going to start somewhere, okay? Okay, how about with Troy? How about with Troy? That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about, okay. And I'm going to control the mic, okay? So, Pastor Troy, what's your question? Why isn't he connected with NRP? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I... I I, I I did not plan that. I did not. You don't have to answer that question. Unless you want to. I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> where, 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 I'm really eager to find out more about NRP. And I, I mean, I know a number of you, and I've actually been processing that. I've been to the website. I, I started going there last year uh, just to find out more about NRP. Um, my relationship with some of you folks going back to ACM was very significant, and it may, it may be a good fit for us. So, uh, yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> Pastor Frank. I see that you have brought a lot of great young couples with you. Can you tell us about how to, um, you know, I don't think it's ever too early to, to start focusing on younger generation. Talk to us about that and how to cultivate that in the church. Um. Yeah, um, you know, in, in tr I, th I think what I tried to share this morning was the idea of the multi-generational building. Um, and so in some ways, the uh, part of what we've done is continue to foster a healthy idea of the next generation. In other words, really key in on that. Um, for Darlene and me, I mean, honestly, having, 
having children, our youngest is now 22. Um, in some ways, it, it's kept us in touch with the next generation. Um, the church planting we've done. Uh, by the way, I had a, a big decision that I, you know, I felt like it might be obvious now looking back, but it wasn't obvious at the time, 2007, 2008. Um, in Madrid, the, the hub church, there was a sense of things were growing. I mean, you know, there was a lot of people there. Um, the, I, the question was, do we build on there? Keep getting bigger. Keep getting bigger, or do we plant these new churches? And I really felt impressed to the Lord to plant new churches. And part of the reason was to intentionally create a vacuum to raise up the next generation of leaders, in a sense, to, to, to saddle them with a sense of responsibility and authority. And in a sense, there's something about being thrown into the pool that teaches people to swim. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't train people and help them in mm -hmm. advance, uh, but there's nothing like having the job to do. And so part of what we've tried to do is create an environment where there's actually these, these key responsibilities. So church planting, part of what it's done is it creates this vacuum. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And the question is, who's going to fill it? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you know, we've got all, we've got a whole bun bunch of young people from not only within the churches, uh, with the families, but also the college students, and we're, you know, they're they're being raised up in the ministry. So it's kind of a, I'll, I'll say it's partly cultural, uh, but partly on purpose. Yeah. So jumping on that once again, that that creates. Lots of levels where lots of other people can step in. You know, sometimes you, you, you raise up people to, to want to serve the Lord, and then you have no place for them. So planting churches instead of just growing the team larger and larger, um, really, it's exponential. I mean, you need junior church leaders. You need ushers. You need a worship team. You need everything over and over and over again. So there's always a vacancy. There's always a desperate need almost. And secondly, I just want to underscore, we are 66 and 67. Is that right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not always clear on that. Um, but, it, it, I mean, we've been doing this since, you know, we were in our early 20s. And I just want to say don't despise the day of small beginnings. Um, you know, it was, I don't know when it would have been, uh, maybe, maybe like 20 years ago that I, I just remember, it was shortly before actually we, we sent the Potsdam Church off, I think. I was sitting in, in the front row in the Madrid Church, and I kind of looked around, and I was like looking at the different people that were in leadership, and I realized, wait, they were all like kids in the nursery just yesterday. Um, it's really happened. We've been plowing, we've been sowing, we've been plowing and weeding, we've been, and we're starting to reap. I mean, and it was years and years and years. So, you know, it, it, I don't know that that's a great instant answer. In fact, I know that it isn't a great instant answer. But if you start plowing and sowing and, and planting today, there's going to be a great harvest and you may not see it in a year or five years or even 10, but in 20 years, you will see a harvest. We look around at the churches we planted and we realize those teams of people, so many of them, the, the people that are making the church, churches happen are the young people that were part of, you know, 
our young generation way back in the 80s and 90s. And um, just, just keep your hand on the plow and keep sowing and reaping. Amen. Somebody else. Where are we at here? Mike. What were your relationships like when you guys first started pastoring? People who kept you accountable, people who could speak into your life then when you first started, and then what does that look like now? Um, great question. We were part of a, a ministry, a, you know, a, a apostolic company, you might say, called the, and was simply called the regional ministry. Um, it was a, at its largest, there may have been 12 churches involved. Um, and so uh, we would we would meet quarterly, uh, mostly throughout New York. Yeah, yeah, and maybe into Canada. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we would meet quarterly, uh, get together with with you know the the leaders, um, and it was held together in some ways by a fellow who was at that time in his mid 60s, maybe early 70s by the time it uh, it was done. It disbanded then in uh, the early 1990s, um, and. Uh, so then uh, there was a period of time where uh, we didn't have a connection. I was eager to find one. Um, and that's when we uh, started looking. And we, we, one of the brothers told me about resurrection churches and ministries. Um, and so we went to our first resurrection churches and ministries conference somewhere in maybe Delaware, Maryland, Delaware. Um, it, it then changed names to Antioch churches and ministries. And we were part of ACM. Uh, from a number of years, found it very, very life-giving. Um, so, but there's layers, and part of the layer was that I had that kind of relationship with some of the ACM leaders, but what was growing was this sense of apostolic collegium locally, um, as well as ministers from other, other networks as well. So I would say layers is the best way to describe it. Um, and uh, so since ACM uh, 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 dissolved in, was it 2002, 2003, um, I didn't rush to find something because I didn't know what there was to be found. Um, and uh, so we've just, in a sense, we've enjoyed the, the collegium within the team. And then there are two brothers who, in some ways, I would say, outside the team probably, probably speak to me um, uh, very, very personally as, as a leader as well. So that's kind of where we're at. Great question. Tony. Um, you said in uh, the balance between family ministry and church ministry, your church ministry should flow, be an overflow of your family ministry. With nine kids, what did that practically look like as far as your time? And Um, I'm kind of curious what you're going to say. <laughs> Darlene would like to know the answer to this, too. <laughs> he knows me too well. <laughs> um, oftentimes, truths are held in tension. Um, and so um, what it looked like was certainly there was a tremendous sacrifice on the family's part for the ministry. Um, but when things would feel, it would feel like the wheels were falling off the wagon, um, I would have to back off of ministry things and not, not maybe go as far, not 
travel as much, not, not do as much. In other words, you, you try to create a kind of like a balance arrangement, but inevitably, whatever your balance arrangement is, you'll feel out of balance at times. There's, there's no perfect way to stay balanced. Um, uh, and when it, when it gets out of balance, the question is, how do you resolve that? What are the priorities? That what are the priorities? Yeah. And the priority of family, in a sense, always rooted us back to uh, that's, that's more important. At one point, I'll just mention um, back when we were part of the group called Regional Ministry, um, uh, we met, um, you know, uh, four times a year uh, for a you know two two day conference, um, uh, and uh, and then the group decided we need more, and so that meant monthly meetings, um, uh, more locally, and we had at that time I think we had four children. Um, there were different like tipping points along the way with you know raising a family. Uh, when we had one child, I felt it was okay. It was a you know two to one ratio. We got it covered. Um, had our second child, I felt it was manageable. When we had number three, I felt like we're outnumbered. Is what I I mean I you know I put I put it together. Um, it was when we had number four that it was really tough on Darlene. In other words, four children, five and under. Um, and at that time, the ministry we were part of. This is just one example. They wanted more of us. And I had to say to them, I can't do it. And it was, I know it was a disappointment to the brethren I was walking with. Um, it almost felt, and this is, maybe this is the mindset of the 80s, but it almost felt probably to them like I was abandoning the high call of God to lay my life down for the gospel. Uh, but I said, I, I just can't do it. Um, I can, but I'll be in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not worth it. Um, and so we had to make priority decisions like that. And, uh, and so um, the kinds of, you know, the, the meeting schedule, the, the pace, um, you know, all that gets adjusted. And again, there's no perfect balance. By the way, I, balance was a big word in the 1980s. Um, I decided I don't like it. Um, <laughs> Because number one, I could never get balanced. But and the a other, a lot of the people in the Bible just weren't balanced. That's what I was. Right. That's <laughs> what I discovered. Right. Ba balance, balance people. And you know, John the Baptist, the guy wasn't balanced. I mean, there's no, there's no balance there. Um, and the other thing I realized was, I started to take a model or take a cue from the model of agrarian life for ministry rather than. Wall Street life. Now, what I mean by that is this. In Wall Street life, you've got 52 weeks, 9 to 5, 9 to 5, 9 to I mean, the whole, the whole year is the same. You might take your vacation, but the whole year is the same. In, in agrarian life, mm -hmm. you have seasons of intensity and seasons where you're relaxed. And I started to realize, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of the downtimes in ministry because there will be seasons of intensity. And we will give extra during hay season, so to speak. You know, up, up north when it's hay season, the whole family is like all out, you know, from, from, from sunrise to sunset uh, for like weeks at a time. But then there's a lot of downtime. And I, I started to learn that that was part of finding correct rhythm. Uh, and Darlene understood seasons. that. She understood that there were seasons of intensity for me. Um, 
but so there were priority decisions made. There was an understanding of balance, taking taking time off, um, that kind of thing. I don't it, know if you want well, to just you know what it is. It just always leaves you. Uh, Miss Penny and I are sharing a word today. Desperate, um, desperate for like. Okay, God, uh, we we found the magic thing and it worked for about two weeks. <laughs> now you know where are we going next? What's the next? It, it, Boy, we have to walk by the Spirit. Boy, we have to recognize there's different seasons and, okay, this is a time for sprinting. Okay, this is a time for the long distance run. Um, this month, maybe, you know, I, I do a lot of extra ministry in the church. Next month, maybe I won't be. Um, it just, you just got to be willing to really, to really keep your priorities helping you get, oh, get back on track. That's my, that's my big mantra. The, everybody says that's going to be on my whatever is that that's called on your gravestone you know she got back on track once in a while <laughs> i'm forever getting back on track and i'm like you know what that is that is the reality of life i think um as soon as i tell young moms man as soon as that baby gets in a rhythm enjoy it because it'll be different in about a week and then you get to figure it out again and then you'll enjoy it for a week and then it'll be different again so just do that just go with the season and we had to learn how to do that but the thing that kept you coming back to being on track were those priorities that you have decided no this is this is it this is it and i i i always share with with um women that you know it it's it's the overflow your your first and your best goes those covenants that god has called you to and there will be seasons when there will be abundant overflow. There will be seasons when it takes every ounce of energy and creativity and commitment that you have just to maintain those things. So you, you just have to be willing to, to keep those priorities. Let me, let me add one practical thought, um, because this, this I think, Are became... Are answering your questions? I think so. Yeah, okay. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I'm like, we may be getting way off in the woods here. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things, this is just a practical thing that we kind of stumbled into, and that was... Uh, Darlene and I would periodically take an overnight, um, just go away, find, you know, fi find time for the kids, you know, find somebody to watch the kids, get, get away. Um, and what we would debrief. typically do is we would debrief and bring our calendars. And we would basically. I'm, I'm the calendar girl. He's the 10 minute guy. <laughs> yeah. She, so she, he would she's, really bless me in bringing his calendar. Yeah. yeah I, I discovered that by sitting down and planning life, that was like, that's what she wanted. <laughs> she didn't want roses. You know, it was, she, she wanted to sit and plan. So we would have these getaways. Um, and I'm thinking, bring our calendars. We just want to get away from our calendars. And she'd say, no, that's what I want. <laughs> and so we would sit down. And part of what we would do is we would review how is life going? How are we doing? It was kind of a, a checkup uh, that we would give one another. And part of it was we made plans. We looked at the schedules. We decided, where are we at? I would tell her all my plans. And she'd be like, <laughs> too much. Um, or, uh, conversely, she's like a visionary idea person. And I would say a lot of what I've done is because she actually was saying, get out there and do it. Um, so it's not a, you know, it's not like one size fits all. I mean, she's very visionary. I, I, I think you probably captured that from hearing her. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, she's got vision for us to do something. She's got vision for the church. You know, um, when we when we when we 
sit and you know we 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 debrief from a conference like this she's immediately thinking things we need to do back home things we need to uh, incorporate that kind of thing so it's not that you know she's simply being a throttle to things uh, but in some ways that that planning that visioneering uh, became very very important so that kind of helped with the with the balance and there were times we said we just too busy with life we've got to we've got to slow everything down or you know there are seasons like you, if you have children um the the, the needs they might present to you aren't always convenient with your plans and your calendar and there have been times when i i was involved in like maybe a huge project that people were counting on but man this is season I need to be at home with this young man here or this young woman and really be sewing. I'm gonna to have to pull the plug on that whole musical. Boom, we're done, it's not gonna happen. Um, and that's very hard, that's very difficult because you know there's a lot of people that are gonna be super disappointed, but boy, if that young man doesn't make it, that's really a big deal, so yeah. How about a question from a lady? I haven't seen any ladies' hands. Am I missing any ladies' hands? Lori, let me get the mic to you. Uh, do you have a women's ministry, and what does that look like? Well, all the churches have their own sorts of women's ministries, and honestly, I'm, I, I just know that some of them are doing, like, Secret Sisters and book studies. I know Kayla has a book study that my daughters are part of and love, and I know that Brietta oversees, you know, some Titus II mentoring and Secret Sisters. Um, yeah, that's the individual churches do their own ministry. I know in Moira, where Rick is the primary pastor at this point in time, we have a lady there who, you know, has a weekly um, Bible study with the ladies there. I mean, we, we're a very small church. It went through a church split and all that fun stuff. So we're rebuilding. Um, so yeah, th that's kind of the, the church ministries up to the individual pastor's wives at this point. I got Joan ahead of you, Pastor Ron. <laughs> and that, that beard gave you away that you, you weren't a woman. You had said that you weren't a meeting church earlier today and that you put your focus on you know healthy raising healthy families and so I, I was wondering if you could explain what you mean about not being a meeting church uh, uh, we, we like do we meet. do meet we do, um, <laughs> we do meet um, yeah Daniel's thank you probably like man we are so I'm like man we are so busy um, so busy. yeah no we, we do have meetings um, it's just that when we transition and really start to focus on family um, we used to have, it was understood, you know, you're going to be at the Sunday morning service. It's understood. You're part of the church. You're going to be at the Wednesday night Bible study. Um, there were, and there were meetings on top of that. It was just small expected, groups. small groups. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of meetings and it was expected, uh, you know, if you're a card carrying bona fide disciple, um, you're going to be there. Um, and we had to make a shift in thinking uh, because we realize, boy, we've got people focusing now on families, and some of them have a lot of kids, and the expectation that everybody's going to be at every meeting, just, it's not a good, it's not a healthy expectation. It was a change of thinking for me, because it's like, well, are you in or not? Um, and I realized I can't make attendance at meetings the litmus test of your true discipleship. 
And it was a change. And, I, and that was part of the, I don't know if we ever said it that way, but it was part of, we were drinking from that well. Um, now, it doesn't mean we stopped having meetings, but the, 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 the sense in which they became mandatory or, or had been mandatory, that shifted. Um, and so the midweek Bible study wasn't like, midweek Bible story, study, you, you could hardly distinguish it from Sunday morning. In other words, they were just both priority meetings. That shifted, and that, that took a little for me to get, a, to get adjusted to the fact. Now, part of it was I realized, I mentioned, you know, our own family, Darlene's at home, three kids, four kids, then five kids, six kids. I can't be making her come to every, every meeting. And sometimes, you know, pastor's wife is expected to head the women's ministry. Um, she said, I don't, have, I don't have the bandwidth for it. Um, and I said, you know what, that's okay. Um, and that meant less women's meetings um, during that season. Um, so that's what I meant by not a meeting church. Doesn't mean we don't have meetings, uh, but just how we structure them now. Uh, probably you're probably going to find smaller subsets of of people and you know discipleship and the different different things that go on. Great. Okay, now Marion has a question. <laughs> I defer. You defer. It's a good question. I, I, I'll be the judge of that. What do you guys do in the whole leadership development area? Obviously, if you're not planting good folks that are ready to lead campuses, you're going to plant chaos eventually. <laughs> so um, what do you do to make sure someone's ready? What are the intentional things you do? And, and I know there's a lot of it's just culture, good culture, and loving on people well. Yeah, I, I would say, um, and this is part of the yeah, maybe it's part of the strength, but part of the weakness of my gift. A lot of it is very organic. Um, it is part of the culture. Um, we're, we have, what we've been doing hasn't happened overnight. Uh, you know, we, we do have an interest in creating a, a, a stream to accelerate things. But in some ways, it's been a slow-cooked method that allows us, number one, to get to really know people. Um, and so we bring them into the culture. If, if someone, let's say, uh, someone asked me during the break about uh, this very thing. If someone, if we're looking at someone for eldership, um, generally we know them. In other words, they've been part of the church for a while. I might recommend them to the local church pastor. The local church pastor might recommend them to me. And in some ways we work together informally to, to go through a checklist of character, of family, of doctrine and vet the individual. If then the individual, in a sense, we feel like we've, this, is, this is a person who's ready, uh, then we'll take that person's name and the individual to the entire eldership uh, for review. So in some ways, it's, a, it's probably a bit of a crockpot crock method. Uh, we'd like to see some acceleration, not sure how accelerated it can become. Uh, we just actually took someone on staff at one of the churches, um, or will be, um, who's a gifted teacher to try to help us to formalize some of our processes. Because it, um, I'm very bright-brained, is what I've decided. Um, meaning, um, I don't, I don't think in the in the 
the structures that a lot of people think. You're an artist. I mean, at heart, you're an artist. Yeah. So that. But, but I was just going to say, so if you remember, I think he mentioned the, the prophetic meeting where the, the prophet said, I see three buildings. And the arts program I was ready to run with. I mean, I'd been dreaming about that for way too many years, so it was all in there. <laughs> um, but the leadership and the youth building. And I know that be, there are lots of gifted men in the leadership and in the eldership, thank the Lord. Um, and they're not all what is, whatever that brain was he just mentioned. Right-brained, right because he's left-handed. Yes, that, that helps me. Um, some of them are really looking at that, saying, we need to develop this leadership thing. We need to get actual concrete programs and systems and things in place. So I know that that's, that's I think, in the process. Is that right, Daniel? Am I, I'm okay? Yeah? Is that true? So, good. Um, I, I, maybe next year we would have a different answer for you. <laughs> Pastor Joe. Uh-oh. Oh, no, don't say that. Oh, no. I'm holding the mic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in our area, and I was talking to you briefly about this a few minutes ago, there's two, like, main challenges for us. We have, we're picking up the pieces of the fallen culture where we have a, an amazing amount of people that are in our church that are single moms, you know, from broken homes and the whole thing with their kids and their teenagers. Second one is that we're in an in ethno shift in our community. 60, 50% of our people are Latino now. Mm. And we're not building a multicultural church, we're building a multi-ethno church, you know. Wow. Kingdom, you know, that's a challenge, you know, because you deal with prejudice. So what's your question, Joe? Yeah. My question is, can you speak into that? <laughs> that's, that, that's my question. Yeah, um, there is a tremendous challenge um, and I think this is part of, you know, it's, it's not unique to our moment in history, but it certainly is pronounced. And that is if you do something, you need to do everything. Um, and you can't be the everything person. You can't be the everything church. You're not going to do everything equally well. And, that, and that's sometimes hard for us. Um, I want to do everything great. I want to have every ministry in the church be like absolutely amazing. Um, and that becomes hard. And I would say that as we've, as we've wrestled with that, we try to do it with sensitivity. Uh, we try to do it with compassion, but we've realized there are some things we're going we're gonna to zero in on as an emphasis. We can't make everything an emphasis. Um, and so we, you know, we've dealt with that in terms of the difficulty. I'll just, you know, just be frank. In other words, as you're, as you're modeling, as we have, um, and as you're teaching families, um, it becomes very, very painful sometimes for single individuals. Uh, that's hard. Um, um, and I would well, we say... Have a lot of singles, very, very vibrant single yep, culture. Um, but what we've tried to do is, rather than say, so therefore we're going to do the same amount of stuff for the singles, we've tried to, in a sense, tried to bring in a, a sense of, you know what, it's Jesus at the end of the day that satisfies. Um, uh, and we've got, to, we've got to keep on our priorities. Um, and again, be very, very sensitive. I'd say it's a tough one. You know, if I, when I'm sitting with someone who's, uh, you know, they're not in a, in a great situation, uh, I feel their pain. I really do. Um, but I can't necessarily convert that 
to like a whole ministry emphasis. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough one. And I would say culturally the same thing. Now, if, I mean, here's a, here's a thought. If I was looking at a church that was predominantly possibly single moms with, with single children, um, I, I just would want to glean what is, what is the principle? What is the, what is God's heart for those children and that mom and that situation? And he's going to give you creative ideas for how to release that. You know, I, I often share this little quip because it helps me so often when you're looking around the world, the people around you and you want to imitate everything that you see, but you begin to realize, okay, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. You want to find out what is the principle behind what those people are doing, because I can't do what they're doing. Um, but what is the principle, and how can I release that principle in this situation to those people, to that mom with three teenagers? Um, what can I teach her that, that Jacobed knew? What can, how can I equip her to feel like I, I, now I understand what I need to do as a mom? Um, and it, might, it won't look the same as it might in, in a typical family structure. Um, but but that's, that's what I would say is let, let's dig in and find out what's, what's God's heart, what's his precept, what's his principle here. Amen. Good. Amen. Let's give them a hand, huh? <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, tonight we're going to receive an offering to bless them. I really want to throw something to them that maybe there's something they want to do together, do something for their family, that they're going to be able to do that. I don't know what that may be, but I want us to be able to write the check to do that. How many people will agree with me to do that tonight? Amen. So bring, bring your gift tonight. We'll have electronic giving, but whatever you can sow, it will be into great soil. Amen. Amen.